It is an absolute joy to be with you this morning and just sitting in there thinking as glorious as that singing was and as joyful as it is to be gathered here this morning, if Jesus did not rise up out of the grave, everything we're doing is meaningless. And it is very strange and very peculiar for five to six hundred people to be gathered in a room 2,000 years after an event if it didn't indeed happen. And we believe to the very core of our being this morning that Jesus Christ is alive. And that Jesus Christ did indeed go into the grave bearing your sin and my sin and rose up out of the grave victorious. And if that's indeed true, that changes everything. That changes our present, that changes our future, that gives us hope, that gives us life, that gives us purpose, and that gives us meaning. And it secures our eternity in Christ, and we have something to celebrate this morning. So I want to welcome you to a celebration this morning of life and hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So if you have a Bible with you, let me invite you to take it to the book of Acts in the New Testament, chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you, as Pastor Paul mentioned earlier, that's our gift to you. If you need one, you can take that with you. It's our gift to you this morning. Acts chapter 2, before we jump in, our church is walking verse by verse through the book of Acts, and we're going to continue on this morning. Before we jump right into that text, let me take just a minute and kind of set up what we're getting ready to read together so you'll understand what's happening here. And let me do that by asking this question this morning. Have you ever been completely convinced about something you knew you were right? And later on, you come to find out that you were very, very wrong. Anybody ever experienced that? Now, you don't have my vantage point. I see all the wives looking over to their husbands with a scowl on their face. No finger pointing this morning, all right? We're all guilty. A few years ago, actually several years ago, you may or may not know this, I grew up in Unicoi. If you do not know where Unicoi is, it's a suburb of Irwin. That should help you. In Unicoi, we live, if you will, kind of out in the wild, so to speak. It was not anything uncommon for wild animals to come across our property. And I remember there was one distinct night, and I think my brother's here this morning. I'm not sure he'll remember this story Uh, But my family was gathered around the dinner table, and it was already dark, and our dog outside just started barking like crazy. It was going nuts. And we couldn't let it continue. We thought, what's going on out there? So we went out on the side, and we found the dog kind of gathered around the truck, and a wild animal had gotten up under our vehicle, and we kind of took a peek in the darkness. We didn't have any flashlights or anything, and we, we took a peek under the truck, and we concluded in our minds, it's nothing more than a cat. So we said, go get it, is kind of what we said to the dog. Anyway, and the dog wouldn't stop barking, so then we figured out, okay, we've got to get this cat out of here. So we we kind of took a knee under the truck, and we started, you know, shoe cat, or whatever you do to get rid of cats. And this cat began to do something very odd. This cat raised up the entire rear end of its body and started spraying this incredibly foul odor. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know it wasn't a cat. 
It was what my dad would call a polecat, if you know what that is. It was a skunk, and we were completely convinced walking out there that we had a cat on our hands. And for the next four to five days, we were reminded because of the smell, watch this, that we had gotten it tragically wrong. Now that's kind of a lighthearted way to set us up this morning for the reality that every single one of us battle with. It is possible for us to be completely convinced about something and get it all wrong. On a Friday morning about 2,000 years ago in the city of Jerusalem, a crowd of angry Jews and angry Jewish, leader, Jewish religious leaders were convinced they had it all right about Jesus. They had watched the life of Jesus for three and a half years. They had observed His life. They had heard His teaching. They had seen the miracles. They had, listen, they had had more revelation and more light about who God was than any generation in human history. God had walked among them in the flesh in Jesus Christ. And they had seen and they had heard and they would even have concluded, we've never seen or heard anyone like this before. The problem was there were some things that Jesus said and there were some things that Jesus did that the self-righteous, self-trusting religious people didn't like. They didn't like when Jesus said things like this. You honor God with your lips. You say all the right things. But your heart is far from God. They didn't like that. And that religious crowd of the day didn't like when Jesus said. You're a lot like a. A whitewashed tomb in your self-righteousness. And you, you believe your own merits have earned favor before God. And, and you're like a tomb. You're like a whitewashed tomb. Meaning you've cleaned it on the outside. And people walk by and it looks all clean and shiny and new. But on the inside there's nothing but dead men's bones. They didn't like that. They couldn't deny the reality of Jesus. Something was different about Him because, let me just say this, Jesus does not allow us to be neutral about Him. So they had to come up with a conclusion about Jesus. So they came up with a conclusion led on by the religious leaders that Jesus was not the Messiah. He was not the giver of life. He was not the Son of God. He was a fake and a fraud and a blasphemer and he had to die. So on that Friday morning, you know the story, they handed him over to the Romans. They put him through a mock trial and Jesus, the literal Son of God, the giver of life, the joy of our souls, hung on a cross. And the religious leaders of that day, this crowd concluded Jesus is crucified, the fake is dead. And the crowd was completely convinced they had it right about Jesus. Now, Acts chapter 2 that we're going to look at this morning is fast forwarding about 50 days. It's about 50 days after the cross when Jesus died... 
And there's another crowd that's gathered in Jerusalem. Many of the crowd that's gathered here again that we're going to read about was some of the same people that had screamed, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And this crowd is gathered because it's, a, it's the festival of, a, of Pentecost. It's a Jewish holiday. There has been some strange things going on in Acts chapter 2. There's been this mighty rushing wind. There have been these tongues of fire. This group of 120 that claim to be followers of Jesus have been speaking in the languages of the world. And this crowd has come out. And the same crowd has gathered again in verse 12 of Acts 2 says this, And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? Translation, what is going on here? And what we're about to read are just a few snippets of the Apostle Peter who stands in front of this crowd and preaches, oh, about a five-minute message. Don't get your hopes up. Anyway, a five-minute message. And the theme of his message is this. You got it all wrong about Jesus Christ. You missed it. Peter stands up to this crowd and he begins. I'll read these very quickly. Verse 22, he says... Men of Israel, this Jewish crowd, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, because that was a common name that they liked to refer to Jesus. Nazareth was a village of scorn. It was, a, it was almost a disdainful title for him. Jesus of Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. He says to this crowd, do you not remember the miracles that you saw in the lives of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the signs and all that happened during those three and a half years? Do you not remember those literal people who had been blind from birth and Jesus spoke and gave them sight? Do you not remember all those people who couldn't walk and they were lame and Jesus spoke a word and they got up and walked? And it wasn't just some kind of weird, you know, my, my back's hurting a little bit. No, they hadn't walked from birth. And they got up and walked at the word of Jesus. Do you not remember how nature itself obeyed his voice do you not remember the power and yet the compassion that was unlike anyone you had ever seen and heard in your life do you not remember that all happened as a sign to indicate this man is unlike any other man in history there's nobody like him do you not remember that he says that to this crowd and the crowd, many of them, I, I could just imagine, they, they continue to wrestle in their mind. Yeah, we, we kind of remember those things, but, but the religious leaders told us it was just Satan. And we concluded that Jesus must be a fake. And Peter continues on and he says, Do you not remember all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah? 
It's as if to say, do you not remember all that, the, all that history pointed to this one Jesus? Said that he would be of the tribe of Judah. Said that he would be born in Bethlehem. Said that he would be a descendant of David. Said that he would give sight to the blind. Lame would walk. The deaf would hear. He would be pierced and cru- crushed and bruised. All that happened was predicted down to a T. Exactly as scripture foretold. Do you not remember that? He continues on. He even quotes David in one of the Psalms. And he says, do you not remember that even King David said, you'll know the Messiah. You'll know your promised one is there because he will go into the grave and come up out of the tomb. That was predicted 800 years before it happened. And Peter says this. He continues, verse 22, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene. He goes on, verse 23 and 24, This man delivered over to you by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Stop right there. Can you imagine hearing that? And Peter says, everything that you just saw 50 days ago with the cross and the blood and the gore, and it be as, as, as hideous as you can even imagine, it looked like it was completely out of control. Do you realize everything that took place was in perfect alignment with the plan and the foreknowledge of Almighty God? It wasn't by happenstance. Jesus was not a martyr. Jesus was not some kind of hapless victim. He laid down his life. And Peter says to them, it happened exactly according to the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. And then he goes on and he says, this Jesus, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine to that crowd, that angry mob who had literally been shouting crucify him. Peter says this all happened according to the perfect plan of God. But oh by the way, you're humanly responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. Things are starting to get serious. John Stott, a commentator, said this. Before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. Peter is saying what happened to Jesus Christ was, yes, in perfect alignment with the plan of God. But the cross was also something done by you in your sin. He goes on in verse 24 and he says, But God raised him up again. He goes on in verse 32 and says, This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. He says the signs were innumerable when he was alive. The prophecies about him were countless. You cannot dispute them. And even on top of all of that, just like was foretold, he was crucified. He went into a grave and three days later he came up alive. By the way, that doesn't happen every day. And he says, Jesus, to which God raised him up again, verse 32, to which we are all witnesses. He says, I got 120 of us here who saw him. And we're willing to stake our eternity and our lives that Jesus Christ is exactly who he said he was. And he came to life just as he said he would. He is risen from the dead. And Peter to this crowd 
who were convinced that they had it right about Jesus. He preaches the gospel, the good news of who Jesus Christ is, what Christ has done, and that Christ is raised from the dead. And to this highly religious crowd who think that, thought they had it all figured out, Peter says, listen, you got it all wrong about Jesus the Nazarene. You missed it. Now again, I imagine you could feel the weight in that place. I'm sure there were some that were, were hearing that. And, and like in Acts 5 later, they wanted to cover their ears and say, I'm done hearing that. I don't want to hear it anymore. But at the same time, there were some in that crowd that the very Spirit of God had prepared their hearts. And He was changing their hearts right there and right then. How did the crowd respond? When Peter has said to them, he has held out the gospel and, and you've missed Christ. You, you've, you've missed the scriptures that were fulfilled. You, you saw past all the miracles. You forgot that Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. That no man comes to the Father but through me. You forgot that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You forgot that he said, I am the light of the world. To that crowd, he held out the message of the cross and the message of the resurrection. And oh, by the way, Jesus said... In the Gospel of John, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. He's preaching that message and the Spirit of God uses it in their life. And look what happened. How did this group respond to the message and the preaching of Peter? Look with me in verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced. To the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, or brothers and sisters, or, or Jewish brethren in a sense, what shall we do? I, I'm very weak as a communicator to be able to convey to you the weight of what was just said in verse 37. The scripture says this, when they heard the message of the resurrection, when they heard the preaching of Peter, the Bible says they were pierced to the heart. That word pierced means cut to the very core. It means their conscience was stricken. One translation means to pain the mind sharply. They were pierced to the very core of who they were. The Spirit of God was at work in their hearts and their minds. And watch this. They were seeing things like they had never seen them before. The Spirit of God was bringing them to the place to realize everything we thought we had about Jesus, everything we thought we understood about Him, we realize now we missed it. It is possible to be completely convinced about something and conclude in your own mind a reality about something and at the very same time be very, very wrong. And the Spirit of God so works in this crowd's heart. Not all of them, we'll read on in a minute, about 3,000 of them. They were so pierced in their heart, their eyes began to be open. They began to understand their need. They recognized who Jesus was for the first time in their life. They realized they had missed, and they said, what do we do? What do we do? It's very likely 
that there are some in this building and in this room this morning who maybe you have grown up in church, maybe you have grown up in the Bible Belt South, maybe you have heard this message your whole life, maybe you have grown up a Sunday school teacher, I don't know, and maybe this morning for the first time it's possible you realize what I thought I understood about Jesus, I realize I've really been trusting in myself, I've gotten it all wrong. And what Peter says here to them is the message this morning for you. To this crowd that says, what shall we do? Peter responds and he says in verse 38, Peter said to them, repent. Repent. The word repent is simply a word that means that you come to a place that you realize the direction I'm going, the understanding that I have, what I thought I knew, what I had come to a conclusion in my own mind, I realize is drastically wrong. I am turning from that. I realize I've been wrong about this person, Jesus, and I've been trusting myself. And repentance is a turning from that. He says, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Repentance is a change of mind. Repentance involves at the same time not only turning from something, turning to something. So Peter is saying Turn from the way you were believing. You missed it. Turn from trusting in yourself and embrace by faith. Will you believe in who this Jesus is? It's an act of faith. It is the gift of faith God gives. We act and we turn and we believe with our whole being. Yes, Jesus is who he says he is. And I will trust him with my entire life. And I will trust him with my entire future. Because he is risen from the dead. And Peter says, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it. Peter in no way is saying the water of baptism takes away sin in any way, shape, form, or fashion. The rest of the Bible makes that very clearly clear. But he's saying in that day, baptism is an outward demonstration to reveal what has happened in your heart. He knew in that day, nobody is going to go into the waters of baptism for something they really don't believe. If you truly believe Christ, if you've been born again, then it is the public public testimony that I trust him it is a symbol of going into the water dying to our old self and coming up out of the water and the newness of life in Christ and Peter says make it public through baptism and Peter continues and then he says this he goes on in verse 39 and he continues I'll pick it back up in 38. Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the results of faith in Christ? What is the result of the work of the Spirit of God opening our eyes till we see and we realize I'm wrong about who He is and by faith I'm going to embrace this person of Jesus Christ. Peter says there is complete forgiveness of your sins. And by the way, remember the context in which we're talking. Peter is talking to a crowd who 50 days earlier had publicly said, crucify Him, He deserves to die. 
And he says, if you will turn from that and you will embrace this same Jesus for who he is, there is glorious forgiveness for your sins, all of them. And if you think my sins are too weighty and my sins are too heavy, then you read this in the context and you realize where sin is great, the grace of God is greater. And you need to hear that this morning. He said there is forgiveness of all of your sin. There is the gift of the Holy Spirit of God. Which means salvation is not merely okay I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to work at it. No. Faith in Christ. Coming to Christ is believing. It is trusting in what he has accomplished and what he will continue to accomplish on your behalf. I'm trusting in the finished work of Christ and that the very spirit of Jesus Christ comes to live inside of believers and changes us from the inside out. You're not a whitewashed tomb trying to clean it up on the outside. It is a transformation from the inside out. Jesus says you must be born again and you're born by the very spirit of Jesus Christ the moment you believe. He says this gift of the Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and as many as the Lord God will call to Himself. That's good news, brothers and sisters. Peter said what I'm seeing here and Peter looked out and he saw the work of God and God was calling men and women to himself and he said what was the result verse 41 says so then those who had received his word those who believed were baptized and on that very day there were added 3,000 souls wow and the church is born the church is born from a group that at one point had shaken their fists and said, no, crucify him. And when they heard the message of the gospel and they heard the message of the resurrection and the Spirit of God opened their heart, God was drawing and they believed and they repented and they were forgiven and they were born into the very Spirit of Jesus Christ and the church was born. <sighs> now. The next couple minutes is really the most important time in the entire message this morning. I don't know why some of you are here this morning. Many of you are home folk. This is your church home. Many of you came with a friend. Many of you came with a family member. I don't know why everyone is here this morning. Some of you are here because it is the South and it's the thing you do at Easter. You go to church. But let me just say something very clearly, that there is not a single person in this building this morning by accident. Some of you are here by the very, very providence of God who has brought you here this morning. And you say, God didn't bring me here, my friend brought me here. Okay, God is sovereign, and I believe this morning that God, in the same way he was doing in Acts chapter 2, is drawing some men and women, even in this room, to himself this morning. And it could be that maybe under the work of God's Spirit, not me, not this crowd, the Spirit of God is so working in your heart this morning, you for the very first time see Jesus like you've never seen Him before. You see Him not as just some figment in history, or not just some religious leader, or not just some command giver that I've got to try harder and do more. No, no, you see Him as life. And you see him as the promised one sent from God to be your sin bearer, pay all of your debt, went into the grave on your behalf, came up out of the grave to prove he was nothing less than God himself. And his call to you this morning, 
Turn from the way you're believing. You've gotten it all wrong. Will you believe? And will you place saving faith in the person and the work of Jesus Christ? So I'm going to ask our team just to come up on stage for a minute. And this is not going to be manipulative. I'm not going to ask anybody to walk an aisle. But I am going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right where you're seated for just a moment. Simply so you can focus. As our praise team just begins to play, I, I am going to ask you this this morning. The question is this. In the same way that was asked of this crowd in Acts chapter 2, is it possible up to this point in your life, you've got it all wrong about Jesus Christ? And is it a reality this morning that there are some of you here that for the first time in your life, you realize, I need Jesus. I don't need a self-help plan. I don't need to try harder and do more. I'm done with that. I need to be born again by the Spirit of Jesus Christ Himself. I need Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning, you need to understand, that is the Spirit of God at work in your heart. Yours is to respond in repentance, turning, and faith. I believe. I believe. I believe. The message that was preached in Acts 2, 2,000 years ago is the same message that is preached this morning. Jesus saves. And Jesus has paid it all. And this morning is just right there where your, your, your head bowed, your eyes closed, just simply so you can focus, just you and the Lord Jesus alone. If that is the desire of your heart this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond in faith. Say, so how do I do that? Throughout history, throughout Scripture, there's a way to respond in faith simply by prayer. Prayer does not save you. Faith saves you in Jesus Christ. But if you desire that this morning, cry out to Jesus something like this. Just right there, you and Jesus alone. Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I see you this morning as I've never seen you before. As God Almighty, as my Savior, as Lord, as my sin bearer, that you have paid it all. This morning, Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. I praise you that you've risen from the dead and I give my life to you. I give my life to you. And this morning I want to say if that's you. You prayed something like that. Or you have questions this morning. I want you to tell somebody. If you came with a friend and someone invited you. And you know they're a Jesus follower. When we leave here in just a few minutes. I want you to tell them. Listen I, I trusted Jesus this morning. I want to help you explain what that means. And if you're here, maybe you didn't come with a friend, I'm going to ask you to do this. When we stand and sing a song in just a minute, there's a little card in front of you that says, Get Connected. And on that little card is simply a place to put your name. There's a box on there that says, I trusted Jesus today. Or there's a box that says, I have questions. I, I hear all this. It's not clear to me. I really want to talk to somebody. And we will follow up and answer any questions that you have so that you're crystal clear. On what God is doing in your heart today. I'm honored this morning to be able to share the greatest message in the history of the world. The message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning there are some who have been changed forever. 
of the person and the work of King Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, we love you. God, we trust you. God, we're here because you're alive. You're God. You're who you said you are. You've risen from the dead. And God, I pray for anyone in this room right now, Lord, who's struggling. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who at this moment has come to know you. And I say, welcome to the family of God. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.